Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. We're gathering around his presence. That's the point and purpose of our church, is to gather around his presence. Not so that he can do something for us, but so we can behold him. And out of that, significant things happen in us where we live for him. Where we know his word and his ways and we pray and we worship and we share Jesus with other people and we get to have him do stuff among us and then through us. And life's pretty complicated, hey? Would you acknowledge? Life's pretty complicated. Maybe because we're complicated. I know I'm very complicated. So I only speak on my behalf, but there's always a lot going on. There's always a lot happening inside of us, whether it's, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is, there's a lot happening. There's always a lot happening around us. And I think in an increasing age of information and understanding and discovery and diet and well-being, it's important that we don't make that stuff an idol and move on from the presence of God. Because all that's really important, but it needs to be in the context of the presence of God and that we, we keep as an individual and as a people, the main thing, the main thing, which is his face and his presence. So we've been talking about recalibrating our hearts and minds to the reality that God doesn't want to just blow up a room and he isn't just into corporate moves, but he is much more interested in working in us and in our process of believing And in our process of thinking, living and loving like Jesus and allowing him into the struggle. And the important note is the caterpillar and the butterfly process, which is the metamorphosis process, which is the Greek word transformation, is actually um, the great highlight of the struggle because The caterpillar in the cocoon is in this struggle process. And just before the exit of the cocoon, there is the greatest struggle and the wiggling and the poking through and the the launching out. And it's in the struggle that a specific thing, thing, so scientific, um, gets released into the wings that enables the butterfly to fly. And without the struggle, that's not released. And if that's not released, then the butterfly can't fly. No struggle, no flight. His presence is his face. Hebrew word, panim, interchangeable. The garden, walking with God. Lee shared about that, walking with God from the garden to the cross and from the cross to Pentecost, the goal was that God would be with us and dwell among us and dwell among you and dwell in you. Life was super complicated in the Old Testament because of the fall and choice. He always wanted to dwell in us 
He always wanted to dwell among us, but he always wanted to give us choice. And often with choice comes complications. Because we don't always hear and we don't always listen and we don't always follow and we don't always think that he's got our best in mind and sees our steps ahead of us. So we grab control of the steering wheel and often that leads to complications when we operate outside of fellowship, which is participation with his voice and presence. And the Old Testament was super complicated because of choice, but that did not deter the heart and the intention of God for wanting to dwell among them. It's always been his heart. And I want to look a little bit at the building of the tabernacle today. I can't do a full thing because it's a 20-week series. But I just want to highlight a few things about what we've been leaning into and what he wants to show us today. Is that okay? So in Exodus 25, we see this. We see this, I mean, early Exodus, we see the burning bush and the call of Moses and his growth and um, the, the complication of the life of Moses being given up early and pushed down a river. That's, that's some complicated stuff. That's some trauma to deal with. That's some problems and issues and processes to deal with not being wanted and then brought up in a palace in a place that wasn't meant to be the case, but maybe was meant to be the case and that whole journey and process of being called to be a leader and didn't think he was a leader and his own insecurities and, and having to deal with that and, and, and the call to lead and to, to take the children of Israel, the millions, many people into the promised land but then not thinking he was able, just like us sometimes, not thinking I was able, not thinking we're able but then him saying, oh, I'm not going anywhere, well, who's going to come with me? Because I'm not going anywhere without you. And he goes, I, God says, I will go with you. My presence will go with you. And we see this and this stirring, this longing of the Lord to be with us. And then we see the building, God announcing, I want you to build a place where I can dwell with you, among you. Because it's always been my plan since the garden. It's been my plan to walk with my people. And a whole bunch of complications got in the way, but he's still pursuing and seeking us. He's chasing us down. His love is running after you. So he had them build something for them so that they could come and interact and connect and listen and hear with God. And I love this line, Exodus 25, 8. It says, have them construct a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. Your PC ran into a problem and needs to restart. We're just collecting some error info and then we'll restart for you. Thanks, Holy Spirit. It'll be fine, won't it? I'm just going to wait a second. It's, oh, it's rebooting. That's good for me, isn't it? I love when change happens really like this. So we'll just keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, so... The heart was, um, Exodus 25.8, prepare a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. 
And he, he had so many specific instructions and requirements. He had a picture and an intention of what it would look like. There was processes. There was order. There was intentionality. There was specific detail. There was specific design. There were specific areas in this tabernacle. God's heart was to dwell among us. God's heart was to dwell among us. And we see this when he asked Moses to to build it and he He listed it all out. It's in Exodus, it's in Leviticus, and we see it even in the temple that Solomon built. Very similar structure, but more grand and in a permanent location. But this tabernacle was not in a permanent location. It was a portable place that over this period of time, it was moved 30 times. And And it carried the presence of God. He decided that he would be that they would build an ark. There were specific details in the ark. There were, there were poles on the outside of it so it could be carried. This whole tabernacle deal was something that was meant to be portable and it gives us a picture of us today that we are portable vessels that carry His presence. The Lord wanted to be among us and He wanted to set something up from the garden to the tabernacle to the, to the day of Pentecost and to now, it's always been his heart. Yeah, thank you, God. I'm just going to let this come up because I feel I can just ramble, but I don't want to ramble. Um, I want to be super intentional with this today. Is that Okay. I mean, I will if it doesn't come up, but, and I'll be confident that the Lord will back that, but I just feel him really strongly on being really specific with some things today. And how good is technology? So good. So not. All right, cool. Can't. Can someone that knows how to do computers, is Benj here? All right. Oh, yeah, can you just, oh, here we go, we're on, we're on. All right, thanks, thanks. Are you okay? Okay, just be okay, it's, it's great. Stuff happens like this, but often um, when things happen that we're not, here we go, Um, when things happen in your life, like you've got an idea, you've got a word from God, right, of what you're meant to do, often life will look opposite to that. And it's not because God doesn't want it to come to pass, but anything valuable, it just, it attracts opposition. It attracts opposition. And God allows the opposition. He doesn't send the opposition. He allows the opposition. Remember, he's defeated, disarmed, and disempowered the enemy. So the only power the enemy has over us is speaking lies. 
Those lies are not an automatic open door um, so that he can do what he wants in your life. The lies have to be partnered with and embraced and agreed for them to have access and authority in your life. That's the only entry point is agreement. The power of agreement is significant with the Lord, but also, unfortunately, with the enemy. So when things pop up that we're not actually used to or we don't want, then often it throws us, like now. But we've got to remember the word. Is that okay? We're back. The details of building this ark. Exodus 25, 10 to 11. Now they shall construct an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, one and a half cubits wide, and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold <clears throat> inside and out, and you shall overlay it, and you shall make a gold moulding around it. Specific. Then in verse, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 22, <clears throat> he builds the ark. There I will meet you. This is about the ark, the purpose of it, the detail of it, but the detail is important and it was required, but there's a purpose around the detail, which is there, God says, there I will meet you. And from above the atoning cover, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about every commandment that I will give for the sons and Israel. God wants to meet with us and he wants to speak with us. So he had Moses build a tabernacle, a home, a place to host his presence. The tabernacle was also called the tent of meeting and God knew exactly where he wanted to build. There was a detailed specific instructions and requirements and it was portable, as I said, and it moved about 30 times. And these are just a few things that were inside the tabernacle of Moses, the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant. Can we put that up, that picture up? The, the, the pictures there, that'd be great. Are they there? Yeah, this is what it looked like. We had this portable structure. Keep going. Next slide. So let's look here. We had the Ark of the Covenant, the, the table of the showbread, the golden lampstand, the bronze basin, the curtains, the boards and the sockets, the external perimeter, the structure, the veil and the screen, the bronze altar, the outer court, the garments of the priests, the consecration process of the priests, the sacrifices, the food for the priests, the altar of incense, the anointing oil, the incense, and the skilled craftsmen. Move on to the next one, please. So this is what we see when we look at the tabernacle of Moses. We see the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant with the poles there and the presence of God resided right there. Then we see the veil that, that was separating the outer part to the inner part. And only priests could go in there. The altar of incense, the holy place. We see the table of the shoebread or the showbread. The bread of the presence, it was called. Then the outer court 
with all these processes. I'm not going into all the processes today, but there was great detail and purpose and instruction and requirement for this. And God is pointing to a time. He's pointing to an era where all of these things would represent and point to Jesus. A shadow, a type, a picture of representing and pointing and prophesying towards a day where the manifestation of each of those things would come in bodily form and become flesh and dwell among us. The word Greek dwell is to tabernacle among us. To tabernacle among us, but then ultimately dwell within us. You can remove those and put our screensaver back on. I want to just focus today on the bread of the presence. Exodus 25.30, the bread of the presence. We're going to go a little bit over. Um, so it'd be great if the kids didn't storm in at 12, uh, 11.45. Um, Exodus, if you've got to go, you've got to go. That's great. But um, yeah, just letting you know. Um, if you can stay, stay. It'll be worth it. Ex- Exodus 25.30, the bread of the presence had to be on the table before God at all times. Leviticus opens it up a bit more. Same process, similar process, tabernacle, temple. Leviticus 24, 5 to 9. You must bake 12 flat loaves of bread from choice flour using flour quarts, uh, four quarts of flour for each loaf. Place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table and arrange the loaves in two stacks with six loaves in each stack. Put some pure frankincense near each stack to serve as a representative offering, a special gift presented to the Lord. Verse 8, every Sabbath day this bread must be laid out before the Lord as a gift from the Israelites. It is an ongoing expression of the eternal covenant The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron, the priest, and his descendants who must eat them in a sacred place for they are most holy. It is the permanent right of the priest to claim the portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Some commentary, the loaves of bread were considered holy, an offering before the presence of God and could be eaten only by the priest each week on the Sabbath. The priest consumed the old bread and replaced it it with fresh loaves and frankincense supplied by the people. Did you notice that the bread of the presence was sprinkled with frankincense, what was given to Jesus when he was born? Frankincense represents holiness and righteousness. The table of showbread, also known as the table of shoebread, S-H-E-W, was an important piece of furniture inside the holy place of the tabernacle. It was situated on the north side of the holy place, a private chamber where only the priests were allowed to enter and perform daily rituals of worship as representatives for the people. You ready? You happy? Be aware of His presence and His goodness right now. Just as we do in worship. It's a different expression. Shoebread, also spelled showbread, was also called the bread of the presence. The Hebrew for showbread is called lechem harpanim, 
Lekem Harpanim, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is literally translated to face bread. To face bread. Bread of the face. Bread of the face. So before the Ark of the Covenant, outside that Holy of Holies, before the veil was the table covered in pure gold with frankincense. We've got myrrh in the anointing, oil burning, myrrh, frankincense, gold. We've got bread, which is called the face bread before the presence Face is presence and presence is face. Presence is not a force or a feeling. It's his face, his countenance, where his approval and acceptance and experience with kindness and grace come from, seeing his face. There's nothing like seeing someone's face. All the work and the miracles and the outward expressions of love flow from seeing his face. We are required and encouraged and commanded and instructed and championed to tell the world about Jesus every day, to release peace where there's no peace, release hope where there's no hope, to to raise people up from physical uh, problems, emotional, mental. This is our call, but it first comes from here. The bread of his face. So in the tabernacle that God set up so that he could meet with his people, he knew exactly what he wanted in there. Every detail which was pointing to Christ. On the table was the bread of the presence, the bread of His face. The bread represented God's provision, His blessing, His life-giving, sustaining nature. In the tabernacle and the temple, it was the responsibility of the priests to prepare the table and the bread. Get this. In those times and moments in the tabernacle and the temple, it was the responsibility of the priests to prepare the table and to prepare the bread. But David said, you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil Remember, oil flowing down Aaron's beard. Aaron was the one that was doing the, the preparing and the picture of the oil flowing down. You're the one. You're the one that prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies and my cup overflows and you anoint my head with oil. God prepares the table. It's God's heart to prepare your table. It's God's heart to prepare the table. He sent Jesus so that you would know that He's the one preparing your table, that you don't have to run around frantically like Martha trying to make sandwiches for Jesus that He did not ask for. But rather acknowledging the heart posture of Mary, which is our life position, which was all pictured in this tabernacle and temple process and experience, but it was pointing to Jesus. And David was different. David was different. He said, God prepares the table before me. The word before is in the presence of and in front of. So he's preparing the table and he's not, and he's not just 
down here, but he's prepared the table and it's in the presence of, tangible presence of, and it's in front of. I prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's that word face. Before means face, same word. In the presence of, right in front of. David was different. He was a worshipper and a warrior. He was different. He was different. God said he was a man after my own heart. There's a lot to glean and learn from David. How to process when we fail and know that God's still good and can still use us. It's important. No one messed up more in a more significant way than David. And he was a man after God's own heart. God does not condone sin. We see that because he allowed Jesus to become it and absorb it and deal with it so that he could be among us and dwell in us. Not again, but dwell among us again and then be in us, upgrade. David was different. Uh, I, I feel like David was like this... I'll use middleman again, but not in the context I've been using it. A middleman between Old Testament and New Testament, where he foresaw things that were in the heart of God that were for another time. Because he did some illegal things that God never rebuked him for. Because Moses had specific instructions about how to build the temple. But then David decided he's going to just build one. And what goes on is going to be different. He'll honour certain things that happen, but he's going to do it different. And he started to do it different where there was 24-hour worship and extravagant worship and next-level worship and prayer and, and just adoration to the Lord. And he was never rebuked for building that and God never asked him to build it. He was different. He said, you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Check this out. 1 Samuel 21, 3 to 6. David's long story, Saul, craziness, intense. He's running, hungry. Context, David's hungry. That's all you're getting. Now, David says, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves. he's, He's at the tabernacle. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied. But there is the holy bread, the face bread, the bread of the presence, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. At least there's some standards. (laughs) Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, How much more this one? That's interesting, great. We could use that for another sermon another day maybe. But verse six, since there was no food available, the priest gave him the holy bread. This is wild. The bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle, it had just been replaced the day with fresh bread. The priests were meant to eat the old bread seven days later because it was always fresh for the Lord. But the priests were meant to eat that. David was not a priest. He was a prophesied king. 
He was different. He was a worshipper and a warrior and he did these two things illegally and God did not rebuke this building of the tabernacle to the degree that in Amos and Acts, it says in the last days, meaning now, I will restore the tabernacle of David, not the tabernacle of Moses, which was the God-designed tabernacle. It's wild. This is an invitation for us. Man. Can Tash jump up? That'd be awesome. Thanks, Tash. Jesus acknowledged David eating this bread. At that time, Jesus walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry. So they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some, saw, some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look at your disciples. They're breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And... Uh, is Tash here? Oh my gosh. Hey, mate. I was almost about to absolutely go berserk. <laughs> I need music. No. Um, Jesus said to them, haven't you read the scriptures, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you that there is one here who is greater than the temple, Him, Jesus. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this Scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices for the Son of Man, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Jesus is the face of God. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of the presence. John 6:35 to 38. They answered, "Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you." What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The Scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. This true bread from God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. And we see Jesus at the Last Supper at the table breaking bread. God wanted the tabernacle and the temple built so He could meet 
with His people. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a high price. So you must honour God with your body. Exodus, to dwell among them. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14. But the ultimate the ultimate manifestation of this temple picture is found in Ephesians 3, 16 to 17. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources that He would empower you with inner strength through His Spirit, then Christ will make His home, will dwell in your hearts. Let's stand to our feet. Perfect, it's perfect. He made His home in our hearts to be a dwelling place for His presence with no one rushing unless you have to rush. The tabernacle was a forerunner for the temple and the temple was a forerunner for us. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temper were the dwelling place for the presence of God and to experience His presence, there was a list full of requirements. But in the New Testament, we now become the dwelling place for the presence of God because Jesus, the bread of life, became our high priest and fulfilled all the specific requirements of the law so that we could become the dwelling place of the presence of God. And not only the dwelling place, but a resting place. The dwelling place is for you and becoming a resting place is for others. Thanks God. Thanks God for your heart for us that it's always been to dwell among us, but you took it to another level that you wanted to dwell in us, become one with us. And I thank you. We acknowledge that life does not work without the reality of living for you and understanding that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And our role now is to abide with you, God. To acknowledge our oneness with you, God. And to continue to make choices that protects the reality of what has happened in us. Just in the Old Testament, there were choices that needed to be made. There were specific requirements that were needed to be made. The New Testament does not now equal whatever. Grace actually requires higher 
standards and vision and choices with a posture of being accepted and approved. So our responsibilities now is to become a host. A host of His presence. Thank you, Jesus.